0: The Ranking of the Stars, a podcast in which I, Jack D'Aloboblock, and my lovely, luscious, light pollution wife.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Emmeline dlo Boblik.
0: Watch in chronological order every single movie that has won the Oscar for Best Picture. And today's movie is the same movie we were watching last time.
1: Gone with the Wind Part 2. Gone with the Wind
0: Part 2. Subtitle Careful What You Wish For. <laughs>
1: What do you wish for?
0: Because at the end of the last episode, I was wishing for a true villain turn from Scarlet. And boy, oh boy.
1: <laughs> did you get your wish? Did
0: I get more than I bargained for? <laughs> do... Well, That's
1: a lesson learned. Stop wishing for something.
0: Yep. Do we have any fun facts or any new cast to get to before we enter into the plot?
1: We have two new cast members that I'm going to introduce here. Carol Nye, who plays Frank Kennedy.
0: He was in the first I believe. He was
1: in the first part. He was at the mansion. He was at Ball Oaks uh, when people came for the barbecue and the ball. He is
0: the one that Scarlett complimented his new uh, mutton chops on. I believe believe so. Yep.
1: Yes. And he reappears. We only see him in that one scene in the first first part, and then he reappears here in the second part. To
0: devastating effect.
1: (laughs) Yes. And Cammie King, who plays Bonnie Blue Butler.
0: Bonnie Blue Butler.
1: Who we don't see very much, but she's still important to the story a little bit.
0: Also devastating impact.
1: Also devastating
0: impact. In more ways than one.
1: Great choice of words right here. And then in terms of fun fact not really anything more to add there's one thing that i didn't mention last time we mentioned that in screen testing before the movie was released the movie was over four hours it was a four hours and uh, 25 minutes i believe and for those screen tests the audiences had kind of been tricked because they were told that they were going to watch two movies with an intermission because it was so long that they expected to have some time in between the the two movies you know to get up stretch your legs get something to drink and and all that stuff but when they came back after the intermission and uh, they were surprised to see that it was the second part of Gone with the Wind. And I read that some people actually tried to leave yeah. during those screen tests because they were disappointed that it wasn't the start of a new movie.
0: Thank God we're finally done with that lady. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. She's coming back. Oh, no. Let me out. Let me out.
1: <laughs> so that's kind of the, yeah, the only uh, additional fun fact for this time. I'm ready. I'm ready just to get over with the plot.
0: Yep, let's get right into it. How do you pronounce this?
1: Entract.
0: Entract, they say, returning from the information. Entract,
1: if you're a French person. Which, all of those terms, like overture, which for French people is ouverture, and then intermission, and entract, they're all theater terminology.
0: Yeah, it has its pretensions and it's sticking to them. And it sticks around for multiple minutes, too, while we listen to the music. Wasting our time, as always. Text over a background of red, billowing clouds. You've never seen James and the Giant Peach, right? I don't
1: think. These clouds
0: moved in a way that reminded me of the antagonist in that movie, which is a rhinoceros made of storm clouds.
1: All
2: right. And
0: his clouds move in a very similar billowing manner. And the wind swept through Georgia. Sherman! To split the Confederacy... To leave it crippled and forever humbled, the great invader marched, leaving behind him a path of destruction 60 miles wide from Atlanta to the sea. Terra had survived to face the hell and famine of defeat. And we also get fire from the bottom of the screen and the silhouettes of uh, soldiers on horses marching yeah. through the, the red mist. It was a good visual. Yeah. I liked
1: it. That was a good, uh, good opening for the, the second part.
0: Yes, suitably epic. Mammy, Pork, and Prissy pick cotton in the field along with Scarlet and her sisters. The sisters complain to each other about having to actually do work, and Scarlet overhears and says she can't do all the work at Tara by herself. One of her sisters says she hates Tara, and Scarlet slaps her in the face. Yeah,
1: because we can't make it two minutes into the second part without (laughs) Scarlet (laughs) slapping someone.
0: Without Scarlet throwing hands, yes. The five-knuckle shuffle.
1: She's back at it.
0: It's Scarlet's favorite dance. Hating Tara is the same as hating Ma and Pa, Scarlet says. Scarlet then heads over to the shade for a drink of water, and her father comes over and tells her she's treating the slaves too harshly. Scarlet disagrees, and her father says he'll be talking to her mother about this later. Yeah,
1: he's still not recovered from her death.
0: Still gone. Still in a mental fog. Scarlet then enters the house, where Melanie is slowly making her way down the stairs to help. Scarlet tells her to get back in bed, and as she complies, Scarlet hears hoofbeats outside and looks out the window to see a Yankee soldier approaching. He looks very, worse for wear.
1: Yeah, he's very disheveled,
0: unshaven. Yeah, poor yeah. up clothing. I think they say later that he was probably a deserter.
1: Yes. Well, he's listed as that in the <laughs> cast. He's listed as Yankee deserter. His
0: his name was deserter. Okay. <laughs>
1: not just deserter yankee Yankee deserter deserter, yes
0: bad bad deserter double bad she runs and gets a revolver out of a drawer as the soldier enters the house and begins to look for valuables she was up on like the midway point of the stairs Mm -hmm. when he started to enter
1: and she takes off uh, her shoes so that she doesn't uh, make any noise on the uh, wooden stairs when she goes down yeah
0: she attempts to sneak down uh, she attempts to sneak down the stair and get the drop on him, but he notices her and wants to know what she has in her hand. He pulls his gun on her, and she's hiding the gun that she has by her side so he can't see it, mm-hmm. And with her back pressed up against the wall. With his own gun drawn, he slowly creeps up the stairs towards her, and Scarlett waits until he's right below her and then whips out the gun and shoots him right in the chest.
1: <laughs> and it- In the chest? Are you sure? Because I saw his face was mostly uh, what was damaged.
0: You get like less than a second shot of uh, strawberry jam being splattered all over his face and then him falling backward. This is a G-rated movie, by the way. Really? Yeah, she just blows a hole in this guy's chest and blood flies everywhere. And we are hitting the ground running with this movie. I
1: already thought it was his face that got blown out. It looked like the explosion, it didn't just look like a gunshot, but it looked like there was fire and a small explosion coming out of the of the gun and that it was just hitting his face. Yeah.
0: Either way, the man is dead and we, corpse count one, the first of many. <laughs> this was, I, at this point I was like, all right, we she's already fulfilled her uh, her claim of being willing to kill, like within the first five minutes of coming back from this intermission. I am all yep. for it. More guns, more bodies. Let's go.
1: More slaps.
0: He tumbles to the floor dead, and Melanie comes out holding a sword. She's just dragging it along the ground. She can't even. She's too weak to even pick it yeah, up. Yeah,
1: poor Melanie. She can't even walk straight, and she's carrying that sword.
0: The two women then conspire about how to dispose of the body without the other members of the family noticing. And Melanie tells Scarlet to make sure she loots the body first. We are immediately getting bleak in this. Yeah. And yeah, the other members of the family heard the gunshot, and Melanie just pokes her head out the window and goes, Ah, Scarlet was cleaning a gun. It went off. Don't worry about it. Yes. So they've clearly... Scarlet is now the head of the household, and they're trying to...
1: She's in charge, yeah.
0: They're trying to uh, protect everyone else from the grim realities of what's mm. actually happening.
1: Which also, at that point, everybody was outside. Everybody else was outside. How... Did they not see the Yankee? How did the Yankee he not came, see them?
0: He came in the back door and they're out in the other side of the house in the fields.
1: I guess that's a, a plausible explanation.
0: They find some cash on the body and then divide up the work. Scarlet will take care of the body and Melanie will clean up the blood because they start to drag the body away and they see it's leaving a trail of blood through the yeah. house. And like, oh, we gotta clean this up. Scarlet then realizes she's done a murder her own words, I have done a murder. <laughs> but we'll think about it tomorrow. Uh, I don't think she's actually going to think about no. it. No.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Fade into an exterior shot of Tara and Scarlett's father riding a horse full speed towards the house. He bursts inside yelling that it's over. It's all over. The war is lost. <sighs> Quick cut to Melanie holding her baby. She smiles and whispers, Ashley will be coming home quick cut to a close-up of Scarlet's face as a devious grin blossoms. Yes, Ashley will be coming home.
1: Yeah, still hung up on Ashley, can pi- always and forever. Can
0: pick up my bullshit right where I left off.
1: Ah, oh, good lord.
0: Nothing change. Text over wounded soldiers walking down a dirt road. Home from their lost adventure came the tattered cavaliers, Grimly, they came hobbling back to the desolation that had once been a land of grace and plenty. Mm, Grace for who? Mm. And with them came another invader more cruel and vicious than any they had fought. The Carpetbagger. And no explanation of what carpetbaggers are.
1: I assume it was just tax collector.
0: The People that came in to, to pick over the ruins of the war. Yeah. Vultures.
1: Yeah.
0: The usual vultures that show up after a war. Come to it.
1: the carpet bagger is mentioned multiple times after that, and you now when they're still in Terra. But I, yeah, I already assumed that it the, was just like the Yankee tax collector.
0: Yeah, it's always the, the unfair uh, financial yeah. extractions that get associated with the carpet baggers. Outside Terra, men wash in makeshift showers while Mammy boils their clothes in a cauldron to kill the lice off of them. They just like have sheets up basically and they're just scrubbing themselves out of buckets on the front steps more veterans sit eating food that Melanie is handing out and she finds out that one of them was in the same unit as Ashley and tells her Ashley was captured which makes her happy because it means he's still alive Scarlet then calls Melanie over to complain about her giving their food to veterans (laughs) and is told the news about Ashley Scarlet then enters the house and one of the bathing soldiers this is Mr. Kennedy Follows her in to ask permission to propose to her sister. He hasn't even fully clothed himself. He's like got a towel around him. He's got pants on, but no shirt. And he says he would, it's something he knows he should talk to her father about, but he trails (laughs) off and she she says, yeah, I'm the head of the household now, so I'll talk to him about it for you. Uh, He doesn't have a scent to his name, but being engaged to his true love will give him the motivation to get back on his feet. Uh, Yeah, sure, whatever, says Scarlet. She does not. She to,
1: doesn't seem to care. No,
0: she doesn't give a shit about this at all. Uh, Mr. Kennedy rushes outside to propose, and Scarlett follows, joining Mammy and Melanie, who are watching a lone soldier in the distance walk towards the house. Melanie gasps and then runs toward the soldier, arms outstretched. Ashley! Ashley! she cries. Mm-hmm. Ashley breaks into a run as well, and the two embrace.
1: That was a weird sequence, that the two of them running towards each other, uh-huh. their, their faces were just elated, and just the way they're running towards each other is, was just very awkward.
0: Yeah, arms outstretched. It's the way, like, a, a toddler runs toward, towards their parents.
1: Yes! Pick yes. me up, pick me up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> up, up. Scarlet's homewrecker instincts immediately activate, and she tries to go and join the reunion, but is held back by Mammy, who helpfully reminds her that Ashley is only her husband in her head. She, yeah.
1: She she does uh, tell her, like, it's her husband. Yeah,
0: will not give these people even ten seconds to be alone, is trying to trail right behind and just wedge herself in between them.
1: Yeah.
0: Good lord.
1: No sense of decency.
0: Nope. Next scene opens with Pork approaching Scarlet as she washes clothes in a wooden tub. He's back from town, and while he was there, he overheard the taxes on terror are going to be increased. They are now owe $300, and uh, he asks her how much money they have, and she says $10. Yes. So they're in bad financial straits. Scarlet has no idea where they're going to get that kind of money and goes to ask Ashley for advice. She finds him splitting logs by a fence and explains the problem. And th- I really like the visual in this scene. It, I'm pretty sure it's a set,
1: because yes.
0: because the clouds in the background aren't moving. Yeah. But it just has this sloping fence that's going down towards the camera and very small and intimate set. And I don't know how to articulate it more than that. But you, no, it is.
1: No, but remember last time when you said that. This movie had some of the same feels as uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that and that scene, particularly, I could see that because the Wizard of Oz is all sets; so it's not, and none of it is like really shot outside or anything. And that ga- that specific scene with you could see the that it is a set. You have a a wall, like you said, you to, to have the background for the for the sky and all that. Like that, I didn't feel it in the first part, but that's where I felt it.
0: Yeah, it, feel, it feels like they're in a painting. It's a very stylized interpretation of nature. Yeah. It, it's absolutely something you could see uh, sitting next to the yellow brick road.
2: Mm.
0: I really like the, the visual of that scene a lot. Uh, Ashley says he's sorry because she's come to him for help and he has no help to give. He's a coward because he's afraid of life becoming too real, of losing the beauty of the life he loved. And he puts down his hammer that he was splitting uh, logs with and walks away into the shade while he uh, monologues about this. In the war, he saw his boyhood friends blown to bits and watched men writhe in agony after he'd shot them. He isn't like Scarlet, who's able to face reality without flinching. He wants nothing more than to escape. She wouldn't understand. Scarlet says she does understand, though. She's tired of all this bullshit, too. Tell your wife and baby to suck it and let's run away together. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Let's run away, Ashley. You told me you loved me at Twelve Oaks. You said it. It's real, is her argument. Uh, Ashley politely declines the invitation to abandon his family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, the, which is.
0: Do a Yancey, Ashley. Do a no, Yancey, yeah. <laughs> says Scarlet.
1: It's something I can I can understand the you know, not wanting to leave his his wife and his baby because obviously they're already going through hard times and if he was going to abandon them they'd be going through even harder times but i also understand the other option of you're married to someone you don't love you might love her but in a different way but i don't know
0: i mean the movie is inconclusive on whether he...
1: Yeah, wants... we're never really told if, he, if he's changed, in up with her It
0: changes scene by scene yeah as to whether who he loves and how much he loves them. And Ashley should be a politician for how much he waffles and, and flip, flip-flops on key issues.
1: Yeah. I do think that towards the end of the movie that it's made a little bit more clear.
0: Scarlet leans against a post and begins to cry, and Ashley kisses her on the forehead to console her, which instantly turns into a full-on makeout session.
1: Yeah, because you know Scarlet can't pass an, uh, an opportunity to kiss, kiss Ashley.
0: After a few seconds, Ashley pulls away with Scarlet cackling in triumph in his arms. "You do love me, you do love me," she
1: says,
0: <laughs> just full-on turn, full-on witch mode, cackling. ha ha ha! I've got you now, my pretty. Uh, but her victory only lasts a moment as Ashley says it will never happen again, which is exactly what he said last time. hmm And he's staying with Melanie. Starlet walks away dejected and promises never to make a pass at Ash- Ashley again. Bullshit. Exactly what she said last time. Uh- They're just stuck in this never-ending cycle. The next scene sees the old caretaker of Tara, Mr. Wilkerson, arriving in a carriage with his wife, Emmy Slattery. We finally get to see her. Mm -hmm. This is the white trash uh, lady whose baby died, the man whose baby died, who Scarlet's mother was celebrating. Yes, at the
1: beginning of the first
0: part. When we were first introduced to her. Scarlet sees them and calls Emmy a trashy wench and to get off her land as soon as they uh, step out of the carriage.
1: They've clearly gotten into some money because they're well-dressed, they have a a carriage, they have like there's one or two horses on that carriage mm-hmm. so there's they're definitely they're doing much better than the o'haras yeah. at this point there's
0: a line earlier on in the scene it happens very quickly about how mr wilkerson has allied himself with the yankees and
1: yeah you know. he's become a, a full yankee and he works with the the carpetbagger now yeah.
0: how despicable yeah Her calling his wife a wench angers Wilkerson, and he taunts Scarlet by telling her he knows her father has lost his mind and that they can't pay their taxes, so soon Tara will be his. Scarlet throws a handful of dirt in his face and tells him that's all of Tara he'll ever get. Wilkerson climbs back in his carriage swearing revenge, and as he drives away, Scarlet's father, who saw the whole exchange, shouts that he'll show him who the real owner of Tara is. Mm. He mounts a horse, gallops full speed after the carriage, jumps the fence, falls off the horse, and dies. Rip Gerald O'Hara. <laughs>
1: yeah, he didn't even fall that hard. No, he, he just splanted f- on his face. He
0: yeah, he fell like two feet and went, "Oh, my bones are made of styrofoam." And then you fade into his grave. It was not, did not look like a, a lethal fall at all. So no. it, it just came off as goofy rather than tragic. Also, the close-up we get of his face right before this happens where he's shouting, I'll show you who the... He
1: looks like a madman. Yeah,
0: he looks like he's out of his mind. I'll show you who the real owner is. And then he just falls two feet off his horse and dies. Yeah. Uh, unintentionally comedic. And this is... Yeah, this is the point where the movie starts to get uh, what I would call stupid. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I don't have a, a better word for that. I don't have a, a stronger word than stupid, but uh, yes, it was... A, unexpected, and, and just very... It was more comical than tragic.
0: Yeah, and we we do find out from his gravestone that he was supposed to be 84 years old, which... Yeah, he, he
1: does not look 84. No,
0: he looks like he's in his mid-60s, so yeah. it makes a little more sense when you find out that he's at the age where his bones really would be made of styrofoam, but <laughs> you need to cast an appropriate actor if you want us to yeah. understand that.
1: Yeah, And also part of the reasons why he would have fallen or at least that, that's what they say in the information that, that I read is like he had bad knees and uh, yeah, they talk about that in the first part Yeah, they talk about that about that a little bit, but bad knees don't really explain his fall either.
0: Well, he injured his knee previously by falling off a horse. Yeah. So, he's just bad with horses. Mm. Inside the house, Scarlet gives her late father's watch to Pork, and then confesses to Mammy that all she can think about is the $300 for taxes. Mammy replies that only Yankees and Scallywags have that much money now, which gives Scarlet an idea. Scallywags, you say?
2: Hmm. Mm Hmm.
0: Rhett Butler. She checks herself out in the mirror, too thin, too pale, and nothing to wear. She pulls down the heavy, heavy velvet curtains from the window in the room and tells Mammy to make her a dress from them. She's going to Atlanta for the $300 and needs to look like a queen. We then join Butler in the middle of a poker game with Yankee officers. A soldier approaches the table and tells the men that a woman claiming to be Butler's sister, again,
1: yeah. say the officers. <laughs> yeah. Another one? Another sister?
0: Yeah. Damn it, Butler, this isn't a brothel. Butler tells him he has the wrong idea and leaves to investigate. Uh, the difference this time is that uh, Scarlett has her mammy with her. Yes. Uh, he greets Scarlett as his sister and brings her into the horse stall that's serving as his cell. Once inside, he asks if he can kiss her, and she says uh, he can on the forehead. No thanks, I'll wait for something better, says Butler. Yeah,
1: he's wasting no time.
0: Yep. Oh, you're here to make out? Let's do it. Let's go. Horse stall.
1: <laughs>
0: How romantic. She then puts on an act about how worried she was about him and how well things are going at Tara. Scarlet, have you finally grown a woman's heart? Asks Butler. I think I have. I know I have, replies Scarlet.
1: He's very sarcastic with her. I didn't necessarily notice how sarcastic he was in the first part but in this interaction and in the entire second part of the movie he's very very sarcastic with her
0: sarcastic and cynical and just he calls her act an act yeah so he's always he
1: recognizes it for what it is he's
0: always commenting and pointing out how she really feels and just you know going around the facade she's trying to actually have people interact with yeah
1: and also something we didn't uh, mention you said that um, miami was going to make her a dress from the velvet curtains those curtains are there's a little bit of on one side that's light green uh, the other side is a little darker green and there's some like gold threads or golden threads the dress in itself is fine but then she also has this like gaudy Hat on Huge her head that's hat, made yeah. out of the same uh, out of the same fabric, and it doesn't make her look like a lady. The dress maybe, but the hat just to me makes her look like a clown.
0: It's made out of curtains. I yeah,
1: mean. it's on the edge of actually making her look like a prostitute. Also, I
0: mean, most high level fashion makes you look like a clown. <laughs> to be fair. But yeah, she looks, I think you said when we were talking off mic, she looks like a Christmas tree, which is is accurate. Also, this was not at all what I was expecting the outcome for Rhett Butler to be of the war. Just him happy in prison and playing cards with the officers. Mm -hmm. It felt like when he left her on the road that he was going to, that he had had a change of heart in a a meaningful way and he was going to be... Uh, invested in the cause and actually in the fight. And then we come back to him and he's just the same old ne'er-do-well laughing it up with enemy officers and not giving a shit and just making money and profiting.
1: Well, he's losing money right now. He's losing in money poker, seemingly on game. purpose to yeah. keep
0: the, the his uh, living conditions, yeah. uh, you know, to not be bothered and keep them liking him.
1: But also probably the more money he loses, the more money they'll spend on drinking and he'll, he can, he can very easily get in and out of his supposed cell.
0: Yeah, as he walks away from the table to meet Scarlet, one of the officers comments that it's hard to dislike a man who loses money so easily. Yeah,
1: Yeah. he's not doing badly.
2: Nope.
0: Uh, He takes her hand her hands to kiss them and the lie is revealed her hands are blistered from working in the field not a lady's hands at all he says
1: he looks a little disgusted yep that she has been working with her hands
0: he did seem to genuinely think that she had come for him and then he takes her hands and realizes that she's just being dishonest again like she always is butler asks what she's really after and she tells him that she needs three hundred dollars for taxes Well, he says, immediately switching to business mode, what do you have for collateral? My earrings? Not interested. The mortgage on Tara? What would I do with a farm? Well, big watery eyes, bat lashes. Mm -hmm. do you still love me? He does, but reminds her he's not the marrying type, and she says she doesn't mind. Silence, as Butler considers the offer. Then he looks her right in the eye and says You're not worth three hundred dollars
1: Yikes
0: Damn You'll never be anything but misery to any man. Scarlet starts to beg, but Butler tells her he couldn't give her the money even if he wanted to. His money is in Liverpool. Scarlet then screams and hits him in the chest a few times and tries to bite his arm when he grabs her. She just
1: She does yeah, she she gives him a bite. She She's like, ah!
0: <laughs> just Full on going rabid with rage, she breaks loose and storms out of the stall, yelling that she hates Butler and hopes he dies. She's like, "I hope I see you swinging from the gallows." <laughs> Every interaction they have ends with him like being pleasant at first, and then her storming out and screaming that she hates him and and, and
1: never wants to never see wants him again. to see him
0: or wants him to die. Or they never end well. No. As Scarlet and Mammy walk away from the jail, they run into a familiar face, Mr. Kennedy, who is now the owner of a successful shop right here in Atlanta. He takes Scarlet for a tour of the shop and brags about all the money and lumber he has now. Soon he'll have enough to marry Scarlet's sister. Scarlet then asks him for a ride to her Aunt Pitypats, and as they climb into the carriage, he asks for news of his fiance. Scarlet glances to the side. What? he asks. Oh, she didn't write and tell you? I guess she was too ashamed. Ashamed about what? Mr. Kennedy asks. Well, says Scarlet, she got tired of waiting and married someone else. It's so cold, can I put my hand in your pocket? The carriage pulls away with Mr. Kennedy at the front, eyes glazed with shock Unwitting prey in the spider's web.
1: Also, Mammy is sitting at the back of that carriage, and she, you can see the camera has the, all three of them inside, and you can see Mammy just like looking back at her and just like, the fuck are you doing, girl? Yes,
0: Mammy has what I would describe as a bitch, are you for real look, yeah. look on her face, <laughs> and the camera just lingers on her because her sister. Has not married anyone else. No. This is a fiction being made up by Scarlet. So Scarlet can marry Mr. Kennedy. And just dumps this lie in him and immediately starts seducing him with the hand in the pocket thing. Jesus Christ, she's She
1: she was going to do whatever it took.
0: Yes. Full villain. uh, Getting what I asked for. But man. Man, she's a snake.
1: And also, like... If she was going to get married to him, her sisters would probably come to the, to that wedding, at which point it would be revealed that her sister is not married. Yeah,
0: this was a very easily disproven lie. So the fact that it never was I, is, yeah, bizarre. And also the fact that the camera lingers on Mammy's face and her reaction to what Scarlet is doing shows that it understands what she's doing is deplorable, but... Yeah. They, but it's
1: still being condoned.
0: Yeah, it's still being condoned. It's, just, it, it's gross. Very next scene, a check for $300 being signed by Scarlett O'Hara Kennedy. And then Scarlett's sister wailing about how Scarlett is stealing her man. It's
1: not fair. She's having a, she's had two husbands now and have, haven't been married at all.
0: And Melanie is there advocating for Scarlett being a good person, which she always does. They're... Melanie is, Melanie is almost as bad as Scarlet in this movie because she's always there, willing to stick up for her and make excuses and enable her. And
1: she has a very distorted view of Scarlet. Just
0: bending over backwards to excuse her behavior at every opportunity.
1: Yeah,
0: Melanie is just as culpable. I do not like Melanie at all.
1: I, I like Melanie later in that in this movie. But, yeah, in that moment, not not very much.
0: Ashley and Scarlet listen to Scarlet's sister's wailing from a nearby room, and Ashley is sorry that Scarlet has had to go as far as marrying a man she didn't love for money. He's nothing but a burden, but won't be for much longer, because he's moving to New York to work at a bank. Scarlet pretends to cry to guilt him into staying. Like, she completely dry eyes, uh, but boo-hoo-hoo, and then she even looks up hmm like glances to see if it's working yeah she just it is relentless with how awful and manipulative she is and helping her guilting him into staying and helping her with a new lumber business but he refuses to be swayed by her crocodile tears at least until melanie comes in and falls for scarlet's act hugging her and telling ashley he's being unchivalrous. how could you ashley she says
1: how dare you making her cry yes
0: outnumbered Ashley resigns himself to his fate
1: so he's gonna go and work with her at the lumber business in Atlanta
0: it's like Melanie doesn't understand the concept of lying because she can't do it Mm -hmm. herself so that means no one else can either yeah terrible I hate it
1: well she can later
0: in Atlanta, a chained line of prisoners shuffle slowly into a lumber mill and are presented to Scarlet. They are in the traditional uh, white and black stripes of prisoners. Yep. The finest Georgia's prisons have to offer, says the man selling their services. Uh, he can have them running the mill smoothly so long as she doesn't get in his way and doesn't ask too many questions. Scarlet thinks it's a wonderful bargain, but Mr. Kennedy and Ashley both object to profiting off the abuse of others. Don't care. Money, counters Scarlet. (laughs) Ashley reminds her that they are the only people, that they aren't the only people that suffered because of the war, but others have survived with their honor intact. Can't eat honor, says Scarlet. Money, all of it. Then we get a small montage of a large sign being put up over the lumber mill, Scarlet counting money while Melanie points out that they're doing business with the same people that rob, robbed them, and old women gossiping that Scarlet is selling lumber to Yankees and even driving her own carriage. Yeah. The scandal. This is Scarlet's full descent into evil businesswoman. She is using prisoners because they're cheap and yeah. can, can be abused and can't fight back. This, she, She's deplorable. She's awful.
1: I mean, did you expect anything else from Scarlett?
0: No, but she's getting, getting worse. worse. And yeah. she, the, the movie never really seems to understand or fully condemn how bad she's getting. Because we get these little, these tiny little pushes back from people like Melanie, like, Oh, you're selling to the Yankees. And Ashley talking about how, oh, this isn't right. And uh, she counters with, well, you used to use slaves. Like, is this any, any better than slavery? Yeah. And it might be the only time in the movie where they actually say slaves. Yes. And Ashley's response to that is, well, we didn't even treat the slaves this badly.
1: Which also didn't mean that you were treating them right. Nope. <laughs> so.
0: Bad all around. Then we see Rhett Butler standing next to a carriage advertising Wilkes and Kennedy on the side with a huge smile. Scarlet arrives and Butler asks if she ever gets tired of marrying men she doesn't love. Why didn't they hang you? Scarlet replies. <laughs> she climbs into the carriage and Butler asks where she's going. To the mill, she says, placing a gun in her lap. Through the shanty town by yourself? I can shoot straight if I don't have to shoot far, she says as she pulls away. Butler smiles as he watches her go and says to himself,
1: What a woman! What
0: a woman! yuck
1: he's got a big smile on his face he was super just satisfied of their interaction and almost dreamy he it it just seems like you know the same way he accuses her later in the movie of like waiting for ashley to be alone either divorced or a widower or anything he seems like he's doing the same thing he's always waiting for her to be out of a husband and trying to court her so yes. i don't know i don't know I,
0: it's one of the ways i don't ways, like either of them it's one of the ways in which they're similar they're always chasing someone they can't have yeah and in a movie full of toxic uh, relationships and actions his fascination and enthrallment by how terrible a person she is mm-hmm. is one of the grossest things about this movie cuz he openly admits that that's what attracts her to him the fact that she's heartless and terrible yeah and it's just it's slimy and gross the... i think
1: that what he likes is exactly what she said you know at the end of the first uh, the first part when that she's ready to do what it takes to survive. And I think that's one of the things that he likes and appreciates about her is that, yeah, that she's willing to do everything and anything to put herself first. She's ruthless yeah. and he's into it and yeah. I'm not. It's disgusting.
0: Yeah, it's bleak and gross and yuck. It just, it makes makes you feel gross. It makes me feel like I want to take a shower. Your heartlessness is part of your charm. Yuck. Cut to Scarlet passing through the shantytown and instantly getting attacked by bandits. She loses the gun and faints, but is rescued by Big Sam, who just so happened to be sitting at the campfire a few feet away from the attack. He jumps into the carriage and rides off with her in the back, saving her. Back in Atlanta, Big Sam is rewarded with employment at Terra, and Mr. Kennedy tells Scarlett to stay put while he goes to a political meeting. Scarlet responds by whining that no one cares about her. Uh, I was just attacked and you're leaving? Nobody cares about me, she says, whining like a child. Mr. Kennedy tucks a gun into his belt and leaves. Later that evening, the women, Scarlet, Melanie, Mrs. Mead, and India, who is Ashley's sister? yes. Okay, Ashley's sister, sit around a small table sewing. Uh, so small that they're almost holding hands. Mm. Scarlet wants to know why India is staring daggers at her, and India says she got what she deserved today, wishes it had been worse, in fact, and Scarlet has done all she can to lower the prestige of decent people.
1: I loved her in that moment. I was like, thank yeah. God somebody is finally talking back.
0: The only one willing to speak truth. And Melanie, of course, instantly jumps in to Scarlett's defense. Jesus Christ, Melanie. Before a proper fight can begin, they hear footsteps outside. And when Mammy opens the door, Butler sweeps in and demands to know where Ashley and Kennedy are. It's a matter of life and death. And I think it's Scarlett who's like, don't tell him anything. He's a Yankee spy. Or it might be India, but yes. there's some uh, conflict about whether to tell him the truth or not.
1: Yeah, which Scarlet doesn't know.
0: He was just playing poker with some Yankee captains, he says, and they said that they're sending the cavalry out tonight. Ashley and Kennedy are walking into a trap. Melanie tells him where they went. Yeah, Melanie tells him where they went over the protests of the other women, and after he leaves, Scarlet demands to know what's really going on. What's really going on is the men have gone to clear out the woods where Scarlet was attacked, and if the Yankees find out, they'll all be hanged. So they have gone to defend Scarlett's honor honor by murdering a bunch of homeless people. And yeah, if they're found out, they will be put to death. Just uh, Jesus Christ.
1: I don't understand the need for that. I don't understand the, uh, just the need to go out and uh, we don't know how many men went out with them or if it was just Kennedy and Ashley, but I just don't understand the, the need to do this.
0: Well, they say it's been a problem for multiple people and the only one taking care of their communities now are them by way of vigilante justice because the Yankees aren't doing any- anything to, to put a stop to this so they have to take matters into their own hands.
1: Right.
0: This was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Another knock comes at the door and this time it's a Yankee soldier inquiring if Mr. Wilkes is home uh, after he's told that Ashley is not home, he and the rest of the soldiers he came with stationed them outside the house and wait for Ashley's return. The women resume sewing while Melanie begins to read aloud from the life and experience of David Copperfield to try and ease the tension. Hours pass and the women stew in their anxiety, sweating and exchanging nervous glances. They have like sweat beating on their foreheads the camera keeps... Uh, going from face to face, showing them, like, glancing at each other, yeah. and Melanie's continuing to read, but no one can really focus on it. Finally, they hear drunken singing from outside, and Butler, Ashley, and Dr. Meade, all leaning on each other and singing, push their way past the soldiers and into the house. The soldiers try to place Ashley under arrest because they know uh, there was a raid on the shantytown and that several men were killed. But Butler claims they were with him all night. Where? asked the captain of the soldiers. Don't want to say in front of the ladies, is Butler's reply.
2: Mhm.
0: Melanie then chimes in and says she has a right to know where her husband was, and Butler gives in and tells the captain they were in a brothel, visiting a mutual friend of Butler and the captain's. I believe it was Belle? Yes. Who is also the prostitute who tried to give money in the first part and mm-hmm. was rebuffed. Yep. Uh, the captain, clearly embarrassed, sputters an apology and leaves. He's really put off by this, because... Butler says, "Well, are you happy now? Now none of these women are going to be on speaking terms with her husband." And he gets overly embarrassed by this and just starts sputtering like, "Well, I I had to do my duty, and 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 now I know, and I'm sorry, sorry, and I'm I, I'm truly sorry." And then he yeah. leaves like, "Did not expect him to get that flustered over it."
1: Oh, well, Butler also shames him because he he tells him like, "You've seen me drunker than this. I've seen you drunker than this."
0: Yes, he undermines his authority and bluster very effectively
1: yeah
0: and then ashley sitting at the table with his head bowed until that point is pushed up to reveal a bullet wound in his shoulder he's taken into a back room to be treated by dr meade and melanie thanks butler for coming between her and disaster and he apologizes for not coming up with a less shameful alibi melanie leaves the room and scarlet takes ashley's hand and worries over him Have any concern for where your own husband is, asks Butler. Huh? What? Oh, yeah, sure, says Scarlet. Well, he's out in the street with a bullet in his head, is the reply, fade to black.
1: (laughs) And I said to you, ah, shit, she's gonna have to wear black again and fake (laughs) being uh, sad for her second dead husband.
0: Yep, another corpse for the corpse pile. Two times, widow. Can we make it three? Only time will tell. Fade back into a glass of brandy being poured and Scarlet, alone in her room and in morning dress for a second time, taking a swig. She's going down the alcohol road. Yep. And at that point I said, hell yeah, brother. Let's see the downward spiral. Let's see the fall from grace.
1: I mean, if you're going to do it, bourbon is not a bad choice.
0: She spots a picture of her late husband on the dresser and and (laughs) turns it face down so she doesn't have to look at him. While she drinks. She then hears a carriage pull up outside and looks out the window to see Rhett Butler arriving. She fixes her hair in the mirror and gargles some cologne to cover the alcohol in her breath.
1: Disgusting. Like cologne is not made to be it's not meant to be drunk or gargle your your throat with. It's no.
0: She just takes uh. a big swig like it's mouthwash and, oh, Jesus. and, and spits it out. She goes down to meet Butler, and he tells her he knows she's been drinking and that she'll lose her reputation if she keeps it up. I thought you didn't need a reputation if you had courage, Mr. Butler. Mm -hmm. Is what you said before the intermission. Scarlet says she doesn't care and sits by the window and cries. She tells Butler she's afraid of going to hell for stealing her sister's husband. uh, For stealing her sister's fiancé and making him miserable. And then Scarlet O'Hara... A woman who has beaten slaves, killed a man, used starving prisoners as cheap labor, made countless attempts to steal her best friend's husband, and continuously emotionally manipulated everyone around her, looks at Rhett Butler and says for the first time in her life she's finding out what it is to be sorry for something she's done. How are we supposed to feel towards this character?
1: I I didn't feel that it, this was a genuine that this was genuine at all. Like I didn't feel that she was sorry. No, I it... think she. I I already thought that she was just concerned for herself and concerned that you know about her status and how if she was gonna keep having money if she was gonna be able to keep her business and all that. I did not feel genuine emotion. Oh
0: yeah, I didn't buy into it at all. But just the fact that she thinks that mm. this is the first thing she's done that she should feel sorry about. She's a vile. Mm. She's terrible. Like
1: she's a sociopath.
0: Yeah, she's a sociopath. What are we supposed to what are we what is the audience supposed to to feel towards her? Like they they clearly don't understand. No. But they're so open about how awful she is but then don't Condemn it in any meaningful way. It's just I I don't I wish I could talk to the people who wrote this and ask them what they think the audience was supposed to feel towards her.
1: Yeah.
0: Or what they're supposed to get out of this. I am. I. She's, I
1: yeah. I don't. I don't know where we're supposed to go. She's not a relatable character. I don't feel any connection with her. Any sympathy. No, I just either. feel disgust. Yeah.
0: I just feel disgust. I, I, I'm baffled. Butler gives her a handkerchief and tells her uh, that she'd do everything the same way given the chance and that she's like a thief that's not sorry they stole but sorry that they're going to jail. So he at least sees through it. Yes. Scarlet sobs and runs to a nearby window and Butler says maybe changing the subject will help. He's come to tell her he can't live without her, that he's known she was the only woman for him ever since he saw her at 12 Oaks, and that he's willing to marry her now. We we, we just we just go from disgusting thing to disgusting thing cuz he's like, "I know exactly how I know exactly what kind of sociopath you are. Let's get married." What the fuck is this movie?
1: I, honestly, I wish I had a good answer for this, but I don't think I do.
0: Jesus Christ. Uh, Scarlet says she's never heard anything in such bad taste, and this might be the only time I ever agree with anything Scarlet says.
1: Both of them have bad taste. Both of them act in bad taste, honestly.
0: Yeah, they're both terrible, and they're both terrible to each other. They kind of deserve each other. And Butler asks if she'll be more convinced if he's down on his knee. And I'm, this was another really visually uh, striking scene, though, because mm-hmm. it has the orange windows behind him, and they're both dressed in black, and he's down on one knee, framed, mm-hmm. silhouetted against these orange windows. It
2: almost—they're
1: in the archway, also. Uh, I don't know if it's a full—I don't know if it's really an arch. I don't remember, but it, it feels like they're against. The wall in between two rooms. No?
0: No, they're against a wall because there's a window in it. Ah. He comes in, how that room is laid out, he comes in They begin the conversation in the connection to the other room and then Mm. she moves away into that window. It's just an exterior wall, I believe.
1: Okay, I thought it was uh, a wall uh, that was just protruding between two
0: rooms. It has a very Halloween feel to it because of the orange and the black. It's almost like... If you just showed me that, the still of that scene, mm-hmm. devoid of any context, and I hadn't seen this movie, I, I could absolutely see guessing that it was from like an Adams Family movie, <laughs> just with how, how spooky and Halloweenish it feels. <laughs> Turn me loose, you varmint," says Scarlett as he gets down on one knee. She doesn't intend to get married again. It's only fun for the men," she says. Butler replies, "That's because she's been married to a boy and an old man." And Scarlet tells him he's a fool for going after a woman that will always love another man. He grabs her arm and pulls her close. Stop it, Scarlet. You hear me? Stop it. And and he kisses her aggressively.
1: Yeah, and also, why marry her? He definitely, he says he's aware that he's uh, going after someone who's always going to be in love with somebody else. Like, why are we here?
0: Yeah. He, yeah, He's always open about the fact that he understands that she's a fake and a phony and that she doesn't actually like him and that she's heartless.
1: And she, that she loves Ashley. Yeah,
0: and then the conclusion he always comes to at the end is, it's charming and I love how terrible you are. It's, yeah. It, uh, they make out for a bit and then Butler pushes her... To say she'll marry him. They like, he separates a little bit. and Say you'll marry me. Say it. She gives in and he asks if she's agreeing out of his money. Uh, because he has money. Little bit, says Scarlett. <laughs> like she doesn't even try to pretend. She, he goes, now be honest. He, he tells her, now try to tell the truth. Yes. Are you marrying me for my money? And it's just immediately, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Though she is fond of him. They, She says they both know she'd be lying if she said it was love. Butler agrees that he doesn't love her any more than she loves him and asks what kind of ring she wants. Diamond, she replies with no hesitation. The
1: biggest one you'll find. A
0: great big one. T- toxic. It's toxic and terrible. How is anyone supposed to feel good about this by watching this? God... How fucked up were people in the 30s? What the hell was wrong with all of them? Yeah,
1: this is not romantic. Oh this my is... god,
0: you people. Go to therapy. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, montage of the honeymoon is next. And we get quick scenes on a fairy where this is the scene where she's just lying in this ginormous bed. And he says, what are you thinking about, Scarlet?
1: I'm thinking about how rich we I'm are. I'm thinking
0: about how fucking rich we are. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, then in an upscale restaurant where she's just stuffing her face,
1: yeah, and he, it's almost embarrassing.
0: Yeah, she's just stuffing it, and like another tray of food goes by, and she just like points it out with her mouth, full of, "I want that too." And then Butler says, uh, "Be careful, or you'll get fat like Mammy, and then I'll divorce you." So this is just a montage of them being the shittiest people they could possibly be.
2: Uh, it was
1: yeah, it was embarrassing for me in that in uh, that scene when she is just like gobbling everything up because he clearly has manners and sometimes like he's sitting there very proper and just but he's looking at her just putting everything stuffing her mouth she,
0: she is almost like leaning down so her mouth is yes. like level with the plate so she can just shove the food into yes. her mouth
1: I had secondhand embarrassment for her and for him just that. Ugh. Ter- just terrible people.
0: Eating like a pig out of a trough. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, trying on fancy new clothes in front of a mirror. And this is where Butler uh, suggests that they get a present for Mammy. Mm-hmm. And Scarlett's response is, I'm not going to get her anything. What's she ever done for me? What a bitch. <laughs> I hate her.
1: Yeah. Mammy has been there, you know, after... Scarlett's mom died, and she's been helping with Tara and with her sisters and with the whole family. And what has she ever done for you?
0: She's probably the only person who legitimately cares about you in the entire world.
1: Yes.
0: A thankless task, but a Butler at least responds with that. Mammy is one of the only, one of the few people's opinions he actually respects, mm-hmm. and that he's going to get her a red uh, petticoat. Yeah. Regardless of what Scarlet thinks. Yeah. The sequence ends with Scarlet being woken up from a nightmare by Butler and telling him it's a recurring dream where she's tired and hungry and wandering through a mist looking for something, but she never finds it. Does he think she ever will? Butler says dreams don't work that way, but once she's used to being safe, the dreams will stop. Scarlet then asks him if they can go back to Terra, and he agrees. Mm. As they walk arm in arm outside Scarlet's old home, she says she's she'd give anything to have it the way it was before the war. Do it then, says Butler. Use all the money you need. But can we have the house in Atlanta too? whines Scarlet. I want everyone who's been mean to me to be green with envy. We're just... Every scene she's in, she sinks to a new low. Yeah. She, every time you think it can't possibly get any worse, Scarlet says, hold my beer.
1: There is, you know, there is a little bit of sweetness and then she just turns worse. Like, the little bit of sweetness here for me was, you know, looking at her old house and longing for a past that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But... Yeah.
0: Can we have the mansion too? I want to rub it in everyone's faces and bother just... Of course, dear. Whatever you want. (sighs) Sometime later, Mammy, Pork, and Prissy approach the palatial estate in Atlanta and Prissy remarks that they're really rich now because it's an enormous three, four-story marble columns. Just... It's a fucking palace.
1: Yeah, they've really transformed it.
0: Yep. This isn't Tara. This is the house in Atlanta. I'm pretty sure. You think this is Tara?
1: I was confused whether it was Tara or the house in Atlanta. I think
0: it's Atlanta because they show other scenes of them leaving this house and then being in other places in Atlanta. Mm. So I think this is the house in Atlanta.
1: I think I was confused about it being Tara because we were just in Tara uh, right in the scene before and he tells her to do... You know do what she wants yeah so i was confused about where we, we were we jump
0: around to dozens of locations in this movie and it never tells you where you are yeah. you just have to figure it out from context so
1: yeah it would make sense that it would be the the house in in atlanta because it has the the garden it has
0: the big red staircase and yeah. the ending happens with her on the big red staircase yes saying she'll go back to tara so yeah this yeah. is not tara i don't think Uh, Jump forward again, and Butler frantically paces around a side room and wonders why he can't go in yet. Mammy is there with him and tells him to be patient and apologizes that it wasn't a boy. Butler doesn't care. Boys are useless anyway. Isn't he proof of that? Mm -hmm. And Mammy smiles at that joke, and he pours her a drink.
1: He pours her, like, three shots.
0: Yes. As she moves, uh, he hears rustling and asks if it means she's finally wearing the petticoat he bought for her. She lifts her dress a little so he can see, and he pours her another drink. This, they were getting along and joking, and he was pouring her drinks. For this brief, shining moment, we had, like, this glimpse of an alternate reality. Because a movie with just Mammy and Rep Butler would have been fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) If they were just buddy-copping it through the South, Mammy with a (laughs) shotgun, (laughs) Butler just pouring her drinks... Fuck, that would have been great.
1: That would have been better than any of what this movie has to offer.
0: Oh my God, why did you do this to me, Gone with the Wind? This was cruel. Yeah. This was cruel to show me what how good of a time we could have had. This
1: was the dynamic duo we all deserve. Yes,
0: this was the highlight of the entire movie. And this great buddy interaction they had together with where he's saying like a... She made some comment earlier about Scarlet being shackled to a mule by marrying him. And yeah. he calls it out in the scene like, oh, you don't think she's shackled to a mule anymore? And she's like, oh, you're not holding that against me anymore. He's like, nope, just making sure things have changed. And he laughs and then pours <laughs> her another drink. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Why couldn't we have had this? Why did you show us this if you're not going <laughs> to let us have it? This is cruelty. Oh, Why, Gone with the Wind? Why?
1: It was also great to have, you know, a scene where somebody is just, is finally treating Mammy like a person and not like a servant. Oh
0: my God. Yeah. I wish, I, I, I wanted him to kiss her in that scene. God damn it. I wanted that to be the romance. That would have been amazing. Ugh. Let's leave this God awful shrew of a woman and, and have our, our run away
1: with Mammy. Yes.
0: Have our buddy cop adventure god damn it uh melanie comes out at that point to uh bring us kicking and screaming back to the awful reality we live in and tells butler he's allowed to go in and see the baby now a week later butler is fawning over the baby saying he'll buy her a pony and send her to the best schools and she'll be a little princess scarlet sitting in a giant four poster bed and uh absolutely detesting any sort of uh, happiness she ever sees, tells him he's making a fool of himself. She's sitting there like, Ugh, why do you like babies so much, idiot? Like, it's just... Ugh. Why shouldn't I, he replies. She's the first person that's ever completely belonged to him. Melanie comes in and says the baby's eyes are the same color as the bonnie blue flag and butler thinks that's a great name bonnie blue butler so she's a week old and doesn't have a name at this point yeah
1: i didn't like the phrasing that he used about oh she's the only person that's ever really belonged to me and like, he, he, there's something about the belonging that bothers me a little Mine. bit like, yeah. yeah i know it's your daughter it's your flesh and blood and all that but she doesn't belong to you she probably she belongs with you but she's not fucking property
0: attitudes of this area would disagree i see what he's going for but yes a very icky way of putting it yeah next scene is mammy yanking on scarlet's corset like old times and scarlet being upset that her waist isn't 18 inches anymore no more babies for me she says didn't butler want a son next year asked mammy Scarlet ignores her and says she's decided to stay in this evening and sits down at a desk and pulls out a picture of Ashley and just <laughs> looks at it and fawns. That's the reason she doesn't want to have any more babies, is because she wants to look pretty for Ashley.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Butler comes up behind her and says he's heard she's staying in, so he will too. He kisses her neck and she grimaces. I hope you don't mind me staying in, he says. She gets up, moves to the window, and tells him she doesn't want any more children. Butler then notices the picture of Ashley lying on the floor and tells her it makes no difference to him. You know what I mean, yes, asks Scarlet. Butler says he does and that he could divorce her for it. He tells her he feels sorry for her because she's throwing away happiness with both hands and reaching for something she can never have. Even if she got Ashley, she wouldn't be happy because she'd never understand him. Scarlet tries to continue the argument, but Butler walks away, saying he doesn't care. The world is full of many things and many people, and he shan't be lonely. Fine with me, says Scarlet, but in case you change your mind, I'm locking my door tonight. Why bother, says Butler. If I wanted to come in, no lock would stop me. And he kicks the door in front of him open, splintering the handle off the lock. He then walks into the next room, pours a glass of brandy, drinks it in one gulp, and hurls the glass at a giant portrait of Scarlet on the wall. It's like 20 fucking feet tall. It's yeah. enormous.
1: It's huge.
0: And I, there was something I I didn't get that, that felt like it flew over my head in the scene. And the part, where, the part where she's like, you know what I mean, yes. And then Scarlet, and then Butler says that he does and he could divorce her for it what is the implication there
1: I was going to ask you the same question honestly
0: the the thing she's trying to get around not saying is she doesn't want to do it because of ashley is that
1: what I was also thinking that for some reason i thought about some old like laws in the south where like men were allowed to have sex with their with their wife and if she was if she, if she refused to have sex with him, then he could divorce her.
0: Oh, you think she's trying to imply by saying she doesn't want any more children that she doesn't want to sleep with him anymore? I think so. That would account for how angry he gets, and yeah, why he's kicking the door off the handle yeah. and, and throwing.
1: It's not just that she doesn't want any more babies. It's like she, you said it in the in the synopsis. Like she, he you know, gives her a kiss on the neck, and she like grimaces and acts like disgusted she's she's
0: barring him from her bed yeah okay
1: yeah
0: yeah and then saying her bedroom door will be locked at night and him saying he could just kick (laughs) it kick it open if he wanted to and yeah this is the part where it starts we're just sinking lower and lower and it starts to get really toxic and physical and
1: it's I mean, it was already toxic before, but it's becoming even more toxic. Now it's getting violent. Yeah. And. And not just uh, verbally abusive; it's we're becoming physically. Yeah, abusive. things are getting
0: physical, and this is. It was bad. Now we're getting into like danger, territory, and, and
1: it's also it's unjustified. Like it's really for very, petty things. Like she, oh, my waist is. 20 inches. It used to be 18 and a half. Uh, I'm never gonna go back down. Like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. You had a kid. The, if it, <laughs> Those uh, hips need to widen so that the, the kid can come out. And they're not gonna go back in place the way they were before.
0: Yeah, there's no consideration for the joy of being a parent or the love for your child. It's, my waist is two inches bigger, I will never do this again. Which is the most shallow, disgusting take on the situation. Yeah, there
1: there are things that matter more in the world, Scarlett. It's It's all very petty. They both have their ego. And they just don't know... How to put their ego aside and how to be happy with what they have.
0: Yes, they they have obscene wealth and materially anything they could ever want. And mm-hmm. neither of them are happy in the slightest. Yeah. Grass is always greener. We then get a, a quick montage of really pointless scenes. There's one of Butler at the brothel complaining to Belle about how much he hates Scarlet. And how Belle and Scarlet are kind of similar, except Belle is actually a good person. And then he leaves, and you get a close-up of Belle looking like she's on the verge of tears, which seemed yeah. to imply that she had feelings for him. I think so. But this never goes anywhere. No. I, that's one of the last times we see Belle, and that it's never followed up on in any way whatsoever. So I don't know what the point of that scene was.
1: Yeah, we understand in that scene that he's not just a client... They they have a, a friendship. Yeah,
0: they have a relationship. And then they're walking down the sidewalk with Bonnie and Scarlet complains about having to walk her own child. Don't we have servants to do this kind of thing? Just, can you... She can't open her mouth without something awful and slimy coming out. Yeah. Jesus. And then uh, Butler is talking to her in that scene about how uh, they will beg and scrape and plead to all the high society members around them so that Bonnie will have a good future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And while he's walking and talking, he's interrupted multiple times where he has to take off his hat and say good morning to someone. Yeah. And you never get to see who he's saying good morning to. They're always off camera. So it's, yeah. it, the camera's just on him and Scarlet and they're walking. And then every uh, few sentences, he just takes off his hat and says, oh, good morning, Miss so-and-so. And then... Uh, we get a scene of just Bonnie and Butler on a horse.
1: Oh, no, before that, before they, uh, when they, uh, at the end of that walk, uh, we have two women who uh, meet in front of one of, uh, one of their mm-hmm. houses. That's, and
0: they... that's after the scene. That's after? It's What happens next is Butler on his horse with Bonnie in front of him asking for advice on how to get her stop sucking his thumb, or her thumb, rather, and then he rides away, and it stays on the old woman who gave him the advice. And another walks up, and then they start gossiping.
1: Oh, for some reason, I thought it was after the right after the walk scene.
0: Yeah, they start gossiping about Scarlet, and then talking about uh, how each of them had an own separate party plan for Bonnie, and they just start squawking at each other, like literally squawking at each yeah. other. I was gonna have the party. No, I was gonna have it. And awful. And we settle at last on a scene of Butler teaching Bonnie to jump on her pony. In their enormous football field size backyard that has like marble lions and a fountain. Yeah. And he's on his horse and she's got her own little pony and their own, like, their yard is so fucking big they have like a horse riding track around it. Yep. And he's demonstrating the proper way to jump over the, what would you even call them?
1: It's like an obstacle course? The
0: things that horses yeah. jump over when they're yeah. in, in,
1: the in competition. In
0: competition a gate you would probably call it Uh, she's going to be the greatest horsewoman in the south someday is his is his uh desire for her which he never gave a shit about horses or horsemanship before this so it was a weird fetish for him to suddenly have but whatever
1: maybe something that he bonded over with her but
0: no idea just comes out of nowhere yeah from there, we move to Scarlet visiting Ashley as he writes in the ledger at the mill. They reminisce about the good old days, and Ashley tells her she's just as beautiful now as she was then. Because uh, how much time is supposed to have passed at this point? Probably close to a decade. Since so
1: from the beginning of the movie to the end, it's supposed to be 12 years.
0: I think we're still a few years before the end, though. Yes, so yeah, So yeah, yeah. Bonnie looks like she's still around six seven yeah because she's not even on the horse as he leads it around she's just standing watching and he's telling her what he's supposed to do the previous scene they hug and miss mead and ashley's sister walk in see the hot hugging action and are scandalized they don't say anything they just slowly back out
2: Mm -hmm.
0: fade to scarlet hiding in her bed from the shame of it all Butler enters asking if she is attending Ashley's birthday party that night and she claims to have a headache and for him to go without her. He yanks the covers away and calls her a coward. He knows what happened, as does every other man and woman in town. She's not going to cheat Melanie out of the satisfaction of publicly ordering her out of her house and if she stayed home, it would hurt Bonnie's chances of being part of high society. He pulls her out of bed and pushes her towards the dresser. Picks a dress out of her closet and throws it at her. Things continue to be physically violent between the two. It's gross. Yeah,
1: and he doesn't pick just any dress. He picks a red and black dress, which red is a shameful can be uh, represent a, a shameful color. It's the kind of yeah the color in uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne Hawthorne's The uh, Scarlet Letter.
0: It's, yes, it is a scandalous dress for this occasion. She
1: looks like a prostitute more than ever in this dress. It's
0: something you would wear if you were trying to uh, flirt and seduce. Yeah. And he acknowledges that and tells her that uh, to put on a lot of rouge as well because... Uh, tonight is not the night to play the motherly or matronly role. Yeah. She's going to she's going to lean fully into the this scandal and make it as bad as she possibly can.
1: Yeah, you're a skank, you might as well look like yeah, it. Yeah,
0: you're going to dress like one and act like one. At the party the candles are lit and everyone is singing when Butler and Scarlet arrive. Butler stops on the threshold and says it's as far as he's going. She'll be entering the arena alone tonight and the lions are hungry. And he pushes her through the door and walks away. The singing stops and all the smiles in the room fade as the crowd notices Scarlet standing alone in her her provocative red dress. Melanie approaches and uh, she slowly approaches the smile fading off her face and I was going, Smack her. Smack her. Slap. Come on. Do it. Whack. Let's see it. Finally break. But no. Melanie compliments her on her dress and takes her by the hand and introduces her to all the gla- guests. And the music picks up right where it left off. She she doesn't make an issue of it so no one else can because yeah. she's the, the most wronged by it. So she smooths out the, the social wrinkles. And god damn it, Melanie.
1: Well, also, she's the lady of the house. So if her guests were going to go against her, then it wouldn't be almost even more scandalous yes
0: like what does it take what does it take for you melanie jesus christ back home in her room after the party sky scarlet sits brushing her hair and Mammy asks if she had a good time
1: i also didn't understand why there was such a scandal made out of that hug there was no kiss. there were their family after all
0: yeah as as far as things that have happened between her and Ashley go, it was the most... It was most, very,
1: very tame. It was the
0: most tame thing that they've done. Yeah. Which, just you know, rigid high society rules at that point. You don't, you don't embrace a man you're not married to? Yeah. They
1: couldn't... <laughs> it just felt like petty drama that was coming out of almost nowhere and that was just... Meant to create more drama. Petty
0: petty drama's the bread and butter of high society. It's what they live mm-hmm. for. Uh, Mammy asks her if she had a good time, and she replies that she did, and that if Butler tries to call on her tonight, he is to be told that she's asleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we get a shot of the clock showing our, that around 1 a.m., uh, Scarlet gets up and slowly sneaks down to the main staircase in order to get a drink without being noticed. Uh, she makes it to the bottom, and uh, Butler calls out to her without, like, even seeing her he just knows that he can sense that she's there butler is waiting drunk and disheveled in the dining room Uh, he notices her and waves her over getting to his feet and bowing as she enters Uh, no reason for you to not have your nightcap even if I'm here he says pouring her a glass of brandy scarlet claims that she came down just to investigate a noise she heard and butler doesn't believe it for a second He knows how much she drinks and doesn't care. Uh, She takes the brandy he poured for her and downs it like a shot and then tries to rise up out of the chair that she sat in, telling Butler he's drunk and that she's going back to bed. He is drunk, he says, and intends to get even drunker before the night is done. So sit down and pushes her back down into her seat. And this whole sequence is probably the one I like the most visually Mm -hmm. and the one I like the least
1: (laughs) behaviorally yeah
0: behaviorally because it has this she's coming down after midnight so it's just the majority of the house is just pitch black it's like soft lighting on the staircase to the point where you can't even see the top of it. It's just leading off into darkness and then it comes down to this pool of light and then there's just more pitch blackness immediately beyond that small pool oh, at yeah. the bottom and then the soft glow in the distance of the the dining room. Yeah. So the lighting of this whole thing gives it this surreal dreamlike quality because they're just in these little islands of light in this huge oppressive darkness. Yeah. And even when she gets in the dining room, it's only lit by candlelight. So it's dark even in there where you can see the table and the soft glow on their faces, but every, the entire rest of the room is just pitch black. Yeah. So just in outside of their their little bubble they're in, just everything else is just blackness.
1: The difference is also the sharp contrast in their colors. Like she's still wearing, she's still wearing like a, a nightdress that's uh, really a sharp. Red, and he has some like black pants and and a white shirt on,
0: yes, he has he has the remnants of the outfit he had on when he was pretending that he was going to the party. Yes, where he has like the stiff bib mm-hmm. that's you know, curling up a little bit and his his cuffs are undone, and his hair is a little out of place because he's drunk and disheveled. and she's very prim and proper,
2: yeah
0: or at least trying to pretend that she is. He asks her how it feels to have Melanie cloak her sins for her, and bets that she's wondering if she did it just to save face. Scarlet replies that she could explain everything if he weren't so drunk, and tries to get up and leave again. Butler rises with her, and faces inches away from hers, tells her that if she gets out of that chair one more time, and he trails off. He then says that Ashley is the most comical figure in all this, Unwilling to be mentally faithful to his wife, but also refusing to be technically unfaithful. Scarlet tries to leave once again, and for a third time is pushed back down. Butler then stands behind her, leans down, and puts his hands in front of her face, so his, like, his elbows are resting on her shoulders.
1: And, and his hands were huge.
0: Yes. He's like,
1: like, they were... The man
0: man has some mitts. He's over six yeah. feet tall, right? So yeah. Yes,
1: but I did not expect... His hands to be this huge.
0: To have sausage fingers? Yeah. No. Leans down, elbows on her shoulders, like mouth right next to her, her ear. As he says, Observe my hands, my dear. I could tear you to pieces with them. And I'd do it if it would take Ashley out of your mind forever. But it wouldn't. So I'll remove him from your mind forever this way. I'll put my hands, just so, one on each side of your head. And he does it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'll smash your skull between them like a walnut. That will block him out. Take your hands off me, you drunken fool, she says. And he does. He's like, he has his fingers up in her hair and he's like moving her face around. And like distorting the shape of her eyes while he's talking about crushing her skull it
1: was so awkward it was such a bizarre scene
0: Like it it's so fucking bleak yeah and i was
1: you can see her face is not she's not showing despair or anger or fear but on him the Little bit that you see off his face, like, he's enjoying it.
0: Yeah, he's trying to make her squirm. And he's not succeeding, but he's making the audience squirm.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's super uncomfortable. But I was also like, oh, are we actually going to get this bleak? Like, is he going to start beating on her? Is this going to go all the way bad? Yeah. Thankfully, it didn't reach that point, but God.
1: And I wonder if that plays into what happens next to like the fact that he's not really getting a a reaction out of her
0: yes he sees it is not working so he tries a different tactic yeah i've always admired your spirit he says never more than now when you're cornered i'm not cornered she says rising out of her seat for the fourth time you'll never corner me Rep butler or frighten me You've lived in dirt so long that you can't understand anything else, and you're jealous of something you can't understand. Good night. She turns to leave, but he follows and presses her against the wall. I am jealous, he says, even though I know you've been faithful since Ashley is too honorable. She pushes away from him and makes it to the bottom of the stairs before he catches up again and grabs her by the arm. It's not that easy, Scarlet, he says. He pulls her in and kisses her while she struggles. You've turned me out while you dream of Ashley Wilkes. And this is one night you're not turning me out. And he sweeps her off her feet and marches up the stairs with her into the darkness. Mm -hmm. And it gets even worse in the next scene.
1: So he takes her into their bedroom. At what point we're... Made to understand that he is going to force her to have sex with him. Yes, he's forcing himself on her. Yeah.
0: Which you'd think it couldn't get any worse than that. But then immediately the next scene, it gets so much grosser.
1: Yes. Yeah, because what, you know, this is described in the synopsis that I read. This is described as uh, marital rape. Which it is. Which it is, yes.
0: But then... The next scene, the next morning, Scarlet wakes up in a wonderful mood, greeting Mammy happily while she hums and sings. Like, she's basically glowing. Yes. She, she is, she is, she's happy.
1: She's happy in a way that you're supposed to be happy when when you've had great sex with the person you love and it, when it was consensual.
0: Yeah, this takes something that was already being incredibly bleak and just makes it so much fucking bleaker because it, it implies that their whole toxic relationship has this sexual aspect to it which yeah. is just it's it's gross it, it
1: also glamorizes marital rape like it glamorizes the the whole thing of yeah like, oh it, it you're, is you're not supposed to like it but you're going to like it oh guess what i loved it
0: It it's yeah it's very cl- clearly implying that she she enjoyed it and yeah. that she's happy about it and it's
2: ugh
1: every turn that this movie can take every turn it's just going to make things even grosser more disgusting and just i don't understand how this is still the one of the most popular movies ever because it is so fucking problematic I don't understand how it hasn't repelled people, how people are not just moving away from this movie.
0: This movie paints such an awful picture of 1930s mentality towards marriage and relationships and what... Is well,
1: technically 1860s, 1870s mentality.
0: Well, I'm saying 1930s because that's when this came out and when it received so much praise and adulation. Yeah. Clearly the audiences did not have a problem with these depictions. Yeah. And the fact that all this was okay and praised even, man, it, man society was ugly back then. Man, it's... It's the opposite of a feel-good movie. It actually makes you feel bad about not just the movie, but humanity as a species and what we're willing to put up with and yeah. accept. It's it's terrible. Butler then enters the room and apologizes for his conduct last night, and Scarlett tells him the apology is unnecessary. Nothing he does surprises her anymore. He sits on the bed and tells her it's time for them to admit they made a mistake and get a divorce. She'll be well taken care of. All he asks is that Bonnie goes with him. Scarlet says she wouldn't uh, disgrace the family with a divorce. And Butler replies that she'd disgrace it quick enough if Ashley were free. And Scarlet does not have any reply to that. Scarlet doesn't deny it. She just asks him to leave. Butler says she'll be getting her wish. He's leaving for London that very day and taking Bonnie with him. Scarlet tells him she won't allow her child to be taken away. And Butler tells her... A cat is a better mother than her, and to have Bonnie's things packed in an hour, or he'll test his theory that a good beating with a buggy whip would do her a world of benefit.
1: Yeah, like I said, every corner.
0: It it just gets worse and worse, every scene. Like, there is no bottom.
1: I I wish I had something to, to respond to that, but, you know, I think you encaptured it perfectly. There is no bottom that this... Movie has found
0: I just I so bad I just want to talk to the people who made this and I just want to know what they expected audiences to be feeling like what 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 is your interpretation of, of what is happening and how we're supposed to feel about it?
1: I also wonder if they thought that this was an actual depiction of people's lives back then
0: I would not at all be surprised
1: if they thought that this was a, a, a good, a truthful depiction of what they're calling at the beginning the Old South.
0: And I would not at all be surprised if it was an accurate depiction. I yeah. I imagine things back then were incredibly bad Yeah. and uh, just overlooked because everything was aesthetically fine. They have fancy clothes. They have a fancy house. There is no other consideration. It's all just surface level. Yeah with everything just festering and rotten beneath. We get an incredibly short scene of Butler and Bonnie together in London, where Bonnie wakes up in the middle of the night and is scared of the dark. Uh, Butler comforts her, and as she lays back down to go to sleep, she says she wants to go home and see Mommy. She gets her wish in the very next scene as she runs up the big red staircase into Scarlett's waiting arms. She reports that London sucked, and she wants to see her pony. Scarlet, her monthly 30 seconds of mothering accomplished, then hands her off to Mammy as Butler enters. Scarlet smiles at him, hopefully, but the smile fades as he very formally bows to her. Miss Butler, I believe, he says. Mm. Clearly not. Uh, She is hoping for some sort of reconciliation here, obviously, and his cold demeanor. The smile fades and she knows that things are exactly the same between them as they were when he left. Yeah. He's only here to drop off Bonnie, he says, and will be leaving again right away. After a moment of silence, he asks if she's turning pale because she actually missed him. And she says no. She's pale because she's having another child. Butler She
1: says, "Um, if I'm pale, it's because of you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Butler then tries to move close, but she elbows him away. Who's the happy father, he asks. And she tells him it's his, and she doesn't want it any more than he does. Well, says Butler, maybe you'll have an accident. (laughs) Upon hearing this, Scarlet raises her fist to hit him, but he dodges out of the way, and she misses and tumbles down the stairs with a shriek. We get a scene of Scarlet writhing in bed, and then Butler alone in his study with his head in his hands.
1: They didn't. They didn't waste any time. No. As soon as he says, "Oh, maybe you'll have an accident." Well, yeah, the accident is created within less than two seconds. The
0: yeah, the instant the words are out of his mouth, she swings at him. He dodges, and she tumbles down the stairs.
1: Eek! Yeah.
2: And
0: then just unconscious at the bottom. Also another instance, much like her father falling off the horse, where it really didn't look that bad. Yeah. But we're led to leave, believe that that was enough to um, tumble
1: and. Uh, miscarriage.
0: She's not even visibly pregnant at that point either. No. So very early on, and the small roll down the stairs is enough to to kill the baby.
1: Well, they have a really long staircase, also. Yeah. And, and yeah, but in the first stages of the of pregnancy, like a roll down the stairs like that, that can easily create a miscarriage.
0: She was also wearing one of the ginormous dresses. She's also wearing so there was plenty yeah. of padding to cushion it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it.
1: No, don't say it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a stand here. Don't say it like that. Like that, that can, if she was in the first, uh, she was currently in the first trimester, she, it could very much have created a, a miscarriage.
0: I'll fully buy it.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Melanie comes in to comfort him and tells him Scarlett really loves him and everything will be okay. And also she's having her own baby soon, even though she's been told by doctors that she isn't able to. Butler thanks her for everything she's done for him and Scarlet, and he prays that things go well for her. The next scene sees Scarlet sitting on the terrace outside their mansion, and Butler sits down next to her and asks her forgiveness in hopes that they can give their life together another chance. When did we ever have a life together? asks Scarlett. Butler agrees, but thinks they could still be happy. What is there to make us happy now? asks Scarlet, and Butler replies that they have Bonnie, and also that he loves her. That, of course, pisses Scarlet off, and they argue until Bonnie rides up on her pony and tells them to watch her sweet jumping skills. Butler tells her she isn't ready, but she ignores him and takes off. Scarlet tells Butler to stop her, and Butler yells for her to stop, but to no avail. As Bonnie nears the jump, Scarlet says she's just like Pa. The camera zooms in, her eyes go wide, and she repeats, just like Pa. Bonnie then attempts the jump, flies headfirst off the horse, breaks her neck, and dies. That just...
1: I knew as soon as she said she's just like paw, yes. I knew that this was going to end in tragedy.
0: Exact same thing. Falling off a horse does not look lethal in any way whatsoever, but...
1: For her, it did actually look like she fell on her head. Like she uh, fell... She like flew over the over the horse... Fell on her head and tumbled, but was it enough to break her head to break her neck. Probably not. The
0: movie wouldn't have us believe everyone. Everyone in this reality just has bones made of styrofoam. So any a fall of more than half a foot is lethal. Yep. And I just it was just comical. Like usually things happening to kids in movies is what really gets me and will get under my skin. But this. It's we've just been inundated with so much comical tragedy at this point that it's just like oh, yeah. yeah, I I laughed I laughed when this happened because it was just it's so dumb it's so much it's just no
1: and also we're gonna make our way through what happens afterwards but in the in the scope of maybe ten minutes of this movie there's just so much tragedy happening that it just keeps hitting you in the face, but you can't... you can't take it seriously.
0: Yeah, you don't have time to react to any given tragedy before the next three tragedies happen. Yeah. We get the marital rape, the the death of their unborn child, and then the death of their
1: actual born child, child yeah,
0: in born the span child. of, like, ten minutes. It's yeah. ridiculous.
1: And then we're gonna get two more deaths. Yes. <laughs> right after. Two
0: more deaths. Like... It, you can't feel anything. It's just like, well, another one for the corpse pile. Like, yeah. what's what tragedy is next? You can't just keep hammering like this. You just become numb and you don't feel anything, and it just becomes comical.
1: It's just so gratuitous. Yes. That, yeah. It doesn't see it. It doesn't seem any purpose. Yeah.
0: As soon as she started, it, it
1: doesn't serve any purpose. As
0: soon as she started galloping around, I I was like yelling at the movie. I was like, "Yep, do it. Fall off the horse. Come on. Yep. do it." And then it happens. Like, "Yep." I, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course she falls off the horse and dies. Two days later, Melanie arrives at the house and is greeted by Mammy, who walks her up the stairs and tells her that Butler has lost his mind. He locked himself in a room with Bonnie's body after the accident and refuses to let anyone in. She also says he went out and shot the horse yes. right after it happened. When Scarlett told him that the funeral is tomorrow morning, he threatened to kill her if she tried to take Bonnie. He's always thought highly of Melanie, so she's the only one who can help at this point. Melanie is allowed into the room with Butler, and when she comes back out, she tells Mammy to make a strong pot of coffee and bring it to Butler, who has agreed to the funeral. We don't get to see what she says to him.
1: No, which was sad, because I, I feel like this would have been a, a good scene. Like, him and Melanie, They are that's another of those relationships, like... The, the relationship that he has, the friendship he has with Mammy, and the relationship he has with Melanie, also, I feel like those are two human, actually decent human interactions.
0: Yeah. The one, the interactions he has where he's, he has actual, yeah, genuine connection with the person. Because all the interactions he has with Scarlett is them just snipping at each other. yeah It's all, it's all just an exercise in how deeply. Uh, the other can wound the other person with him and Scarlet. They just they just cut at each other yeah, and, and get like, some sick sick pleasure and satisfaction out of hurting each other. It's it, it's gross.
1: Rather than the scene he just had with Melanie a few minutes the, before that, when she comforts him after uh, Scarlet falls and loses the baby, that was a, that was a, a decent interaction. She's trying to you know she's trying to. Lift his spirit.
0: Yeah, she tells him that Scarlet actually really does love him and, and things like yeah. that. And and in that scene, he tells her, Well, if you knew who uh, Scarlet actually lo- loved, you wouldn't be saying that. And she, Oh, are you listening to malicious gossip? You shouldn't be doing that.
2: Yeah.
0: That, and as numb and comical as the tragedy was, that, that walk up the stairs with Melanie and Mammy was probably the, the most legitimately tragic and heartrending scene in the the whole movie where she's talking about how devastated Butler is by the whole thing and
1: yeah how mammy just like going on and on and on and he was like just stop like you've told me enough
0: yeah mammy's but then
1: mammy goes on
0: mammy's in tears the whole time
1: yeah
0: and talking about how he doesn't want the funeral because he doesn't want to leave his child alone in the dark because she's scared of it and yeah that was an actually touching scene
1: Mammy and Melanie are, by the way, the only two characters that I like in this movie.
0: I like Mammy. (laughs) That's what I'll say.
1: There's a... Okay, I'm going to tell that... uh, I'm going to talk about that scene. And now, even though it's been... It was a while ago, but you didn't talk about that scene in the synopsis. There's a scene after... So, after the raid on the shantytown. Yeah. The the excuse that... uh, Butler makes is that they were at the brothel with, uh, his friend, uh, Belle. And that Belle actually did rescue Ashley by taking him in. You're talking
0: about the scene where Belle comes to talk to Melanie. She,
1: Yeah. yeah, she comes to their house to, to talk to Melanie. She's in a carriage that's fully covered so that people don't see them. And Melanie has this like really nice interaction with her too because she's showing her kindness she's thanking her for doing the right thing for coming to their rescue And that woman, Bella, she's afraid of bringing shame to them because of her status, because people know what she does for a living, and she tries to, you know, shorten their interactions so that she can leave as soon as she can and not uh, bring shame to her or to their family. And that was so sweet. That was a very sweet interaction. That's my, my personal reasoning here to really like Melanie, is because she... Is throughout this whole movie the only human who acts like a human she maybe she doesn't get angry at at Scarlett for being a shitty person and maybe she should and she definitely should but on the other hand she acts with such compassion to everyone that it just, it's heartwarming to see at least one character in the midst of so many shitty ones who acts as a decent, caring, warm person to the people around her.
0: Yeah, and like Belle tells her that if they see each other in the street, Melanie doesn't have to... Appro- doesn't,
1: yeah, doesn't have to greet her and she'll understand.
0: But Melanie says she would be proud to approach her and be seen with her. Yeah. Yeah, Melanie is kind. She's just, in my opinion, too kind.
1: She's weak. Yeah, but
0: weak. And she's an enabler. She she allows Scarlet to to get away with what Scar- Scarlet does because what if Melanie actually pushed back against what Scarlet does? She might be one of the few, one of the only people Scarlett would actually listen to, but we never get to find out because yeah. all Melanie ever does is just make excuses for her. Yeah. All right, she says that Butler has agreed to the funeral, and then Melanie m- collapses right there in the hallway and tells Mamie to get Dr. Mead. We then move uh, to Melanie on her deathbed, with people being led in one by one to say their goodbyes.
1: So Melanie was pregnant, and what happened is that she was also having her own miscarriage right here.
0: Yeah, we've had scenes previously saying she wasn't healthy enough to have another child. And that's even one of the tactics Scarlet tried to use to woo Ashley to her side during one of their thousands of flirtatious interactions. says, oh, well, Melanie's not even able. I could give you another baby. Yeah. But then Melanie got pregnant anyway, and this is the result. Scarlet is next in line, but before she enters the room, Dr. Mead catches her arm and tells her that now is not the time to reveal any stupid shit about her and Ashley. She is on her deathbed. Now is not the time to relieve your conscience, he says. Scarlet enters and holds Melanie's hand, and Melanie makes her promise to take care of her son and Ashley and be nice to Butler, please.
1: Yeah, she tells her that he, you know, that he really loves her and that she needs to be kind to him.
0: Yep. Scarlet agrees, walks out of the room, and throws herself on Ashley. And uh, Butler is there as well in the waiting room and sees that. And he picks up his hat and just walks out when yeah. she goes straight to Ashley.
1: She throws herself at him because he's also he's crying and she's trying to comfort him. Yep. It's not a throwing herself at him like before when she's trying to kiss him or anything, but she's trying to comfort him in that moment. I
0: think she absolutely would have gone there if he led things in that direction, but he doesn't. So, Ashley says he doesn't know what he's going to do now. Melanie was the only dream he had that didn't die in the face of reality. Scarlet responds, wait a minute, you actually loved her? (laughs) Jesus Christ, Scarlet. Why'd you wait so long to tell me and give me hope for so long? Literally every single interaction they have had, he has told her he can't go with her because he loves Melanie.
1: Yes. I
0: don't know why this time is different.
1: I honestly think that she thought he loved her as family, n- not as lover.
0: And then the camera zooms on her face, and she has her epiphany. She's been chasing something that never really existed, but for some reason it doesn't matter. Not one bit. Dr. Mead then calls Ashley in to be with Melanie in her final moments, and Scarlett, left alone, remembers she's married and frantically looks for Butler. She leaves the house and runs down this shrouded sidewalk, calling his name. And I didn't catch it till I redid it for the synopsis, but this is clearly calling back to that recurring dream she has where she's running through the mist trying to find something oh, yeah. that she doesn't know what. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make that connection till I was watching it through the second time.
1: I didn't think about that. Yeah, her
0: dream has become reality. Yeah. She's running through the mist for something uh, that she can't find. She enters the house, still yelling his name, and finally finds him upstairs, sitting quietly in front of a large window. She sits facing him, and he says Melanie was the only completely kind person he ever knew. She tells him that Melanie's last words were about him, and that she also asks Scarlet to look after Ashley. Convenient to have the first wife's permission, isn't it, says Butler as he starts to pack. Scarlet asks what he's doing, and he says he's leaving her. All she needs is a divorce, and her dreams of Ashley can finally come true. He's got it all wrong, says Scarlet. She loves him. She really does. She ran all the way home to tell him. Please, he must believe her. He does, he says. What about Ashley Wilkes, though? I never really loved him, she replies. Well, you did a good imitation of it until this morning, is the comeback. No, when Bonnie was alive, there was a chance. But when she went, she took everything. Scarlet continues to beg and plead but Butler is unmoved. He tells her he's going back to Charleston to see if there's any charm and grace left in life and makes his way to the door with Scarlet trailing behind him sobbing. She catches his arm at the door and asks, where shall I go? What shall I do? And Clark Gable turns and delivers the line we've been waiting four hours to hear. Frankly my dear, I don't give a damn. Mm. And he walks away into the mist. Scarlet collapses on the stairs weeping. What is there that matters? She cries and remembers her father telling her that land is the only thing that matters. We get a a bunch of echoes of uh, her talking about Terra and others mentioning how important Terra is to her. And then the final echo is her father saying the scene from the very beginning where he's saying land is the only thing that matters.
1: The only thing worth living for and and fighting for. And
0: working for. Yeah. She sits up and we get a close up of her face and she says, Tara, home, I'll go home and I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. Shot of a woman silhouetted silhouetted against an orange sky. And at this point, while we are watching, I said, You are not ending this way, Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Deafening music, the end. <laughs> Have you ever been so angry you started laughing? <laughs> because yes. that's what happened to me when this movie ended. It's like... You're so frustrated that all your thoughts just collide with each other inside your brain and you can't- the only thing that comes out of your mouth is just laughter. The most frustrated, toothless laughter because, UGH. UGH.
1: Yeah, after all that we've been through... Watching this movie, it ends without really ending. I was
0: incredulous. Uh, you are not. You are not ending here. And then it's the end and deafening music. The gall. The gall this movie has to make us sit there for four hours and then not even finish its story. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. I... Uh, speechless. Just speechless.
1: I I knew what was coming since I foolishly read the, the whole plot beforehand when I was looking at the front facts and all that stuff. But yeah, that was... It was shitty to end this way. It, Gone with the Wind, you were shitty the whole time and you were even shittier at the end.
0: Yeah, it's the shit cherry on, on top of the shit Sunday in a shit bowl. It's just... Jesus.
1: Yeah. So tell me, what did you think of God with the win?
0: (laughs) I'm going to remember it for a long time just because of the balls it has to be completely unrepentant and unremorseful and even uh, glorifying in its own filth and terribleness. Yes. And then to end to not even finish its story, to just stop. It's not an ending. It just stops. It just like the track runs out and you're just dumped.
1: I feel like they just ran out of ideas for how to make these people shittier. How to have them keep interacting. They. It just feels like. I know it's based on the you know on the novel. It, it just feels like. Is this where the who, novel ends? Yes.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) With this, this tomorrow is another day. Nothing is resolved. Everyone's dead. Butler, I'm fine with the divorce being how things are left because God, God, they were terrible to each other.
1: But at least get divorced. Give us that ending. Don't just say that you're going to do it.
0: Yeah, there's a slight bit of comedy with uh, Fred Butler getting so fucking fed up with this where he just goes, I don't give a shit about any of this anymore. And the final scene is him just walking away.
1: Which, by the way, uh, I believe it was Selznick who got, who was fined five. $1000 because they used the word damn and it was still in the era where there was the the code They got
0: fined for that uh-huh. out of everything that happens yep. in this movie they got fi- oh my yep. god society was broken back then
1: because there was the uh, the code era of, of movies where you couldn't use um you couldn't use swear words you couldn't have kisses that were longer than uh, you know than a, few seconds this
0: movie is just a twisted reflection of how how warped and ugly everything was back in 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 the time it was depicting and in the time it was released the fact that hundreds of thousands of people can watch this movie and and praise it and love it and it's gross I, i don't know what else to say about it
1: yeah I think, like you, I'm going to remember it, but for the wrong reasons, I guess. And I'm going to remember how frustrated and angry I was watching this movie and just everything that is wrong with it, every depiction that is wrong. We were talking in the first episode about how this is supposed to be a movie about the old south but it, it only cares about the white south not the uh, not the slaves it's it i don't know how to de- describe how, how to describe uh, uh, this movie really just the first part wasn't it was not necessary the second part was not necessary either
0: yeah just how out in the open all the like they don't try and hide that the characters are sociopaths. They almost glorify the, yeah. the, the fact that the characters are sociopaths.
1: We, but it's not serving a purpose.
0: No. It's just... That's that's what I want to know. Like, what was the appeal of this? And I probably don't want to know because the answers would just...
1: The answer would probably make you even, even angrier. Yeah, even
0: angrier and disappointed in how toxic society was back then. Yeah. Man... Man, it, is this all we care about? as long as the aesthetics are pretty, any literally any other behavior is acceptable? what a what a terrible message. What an awful way to view the world. Just, this movie just makes me feel filthy.
1: Yeah, and like I said, i I don't like when there's anything that feels gratuitous in a story, whether it's in a movie or in a TV series, any kind of representation that just feels gratuitous. Like all those deaths at the end, the um, all those, yeah, children lost, lives lost. It just, it, it was hitting us in the face, like continuously for 10, 15 minutes and it just-
0: Yeah, it just starts raining corpses in the last yeah. 30 minutes.
1: There is no point to that. There's no point but to make people even more miserable than they were. And just it just feels like it's forcing a reaction out of the characters. And you're like
0: It's almost like emotional pornography at that point. It's like yeah. tragedy porn.
1: Yeah. And it's this even more disgusting to me in a way because after I've never experienced losing a child, but I assume that it just completely destroys you and that maybe it might force a change in the way you view the world. Like, I was so ready for Scarlet to change, maybe, after she had that miscarriage. And for her to maybe try to be a better person. And she's still a fucking monster.
0: Yeah. The the emotional climax of this movie is supposed to be her finally understanding that she doesn't actually care about Ashley after pursuing him for almost a decade and a half at this point yeah. and multiple people telling her that she doesn't actually love him and he doesn't love her and that she's making a mistake. She's, mammy has been telling her this since she, since the opening scenes. And we're supposed to, what, feel, we're supposed to congratulate this character that she finally has this realization and it took Ashley's wife dying for her to have it after everything else that's happened to her. This, this is the most important event. This is the realization she comes to. Like,
1: yeah. I, so audience, I'm going to tell you something. I actually had like a, a crying bout at the end of this movie, I cried for maybe like ten minutes, really. I was so upset with the ending, but also with just the movie as a whole. It just made me so sad to see people being so shitty to each other, especially Scarlett and Butler, because they have everything. Like you said earlier, they have everything that anybody could want out of life. They have money, they have a house, they have a healthy child until she dies. They have everything that anybody could want to be happy. And they don't take stock of their lives. They don't pay attention to each other. They just take pleasure into being snarky and just destroying each other and it's, it was disgusting. Like it left a pit in my heart and in my stomach and it, it was just disgusting to see people who could have chosen to be happy and make efforts to actually be loving partners and no, every chance that they have, they just throw it away and it just, it, it was disgusting.
0: Yeah, this movie dealt you actual real psychic damage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did not feel good after watching this movie. And this is the the first movie that we've watched so far where I was like, I... Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like, I, I don't... I, no, I'm never going to watch this movie ever again. Thank God we're only watching this once because once is already one too many.
0: Yeah. It's the... It's the kind of story that's so bad that if I encountered someone who ever claimed that it was their favorite, I would be wary of that person. <laughs> like, oh, you and I see reality in completely opposite ways.
1: Yeah. Remember what you asked me at the end of the of the last episode of the first uh, episode? Like, if... All the visuals of the, all of the, the beauty of the, this movie visually was enough to forgive. <laughs> yes. How much, how much can be forgiven? <laughs> how the much can be forgiven? Uh, nothing. Yeah.
0: Not this.
1: Absolutely nothing. Gone with the wind. You can go to hell and not come back.
0: Yep. Yeah. So bottom of the list for both of us.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go as far as putting it even below Cimarron. Yep. And that tells something, because Cimarron was already shitty, but Gone with the Wind took it up a notch.
0: Yep. Racist, misogynist, beating your slaves, beating your wife, glorifying sociopaths.
1: Glorifying marital rape.
0: Yep. Just. And the most popular movie ever by ticket sales. Yep. What a a bleak commentary on society.
1: I feel like I've been sold a a bill of goods my entire life. I've heard about this movie for as long as I've been alive. And I have always been told that this was one of the greatest love stories of all time. And uh, fuck no.
0: That's the bleakest thing about all this, I think, to a lot of people in the past. It was. They were willing to overlook all the other things because they really loved each other. They had a, a much, much different uh, conception of what love is back then, I think.
1: Yeah. I'm willing to understand. I'm willing to, you know, sort of acknowledge that Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara loved each other. In a very twisted and unhealthy such way. In a twisted way. Which was part of why I was crying. Because it's, you know, at the end, you know that she realized that she actually loves him you know that he loves her and he's loved her for a long time in this movie it just it was so
0: but they love the worst aspects of each other
1: yes that's what's sad too is like knowing that they loved each other but that they couldn't find a way to be happy together but also yeah having to acknowledge that they love the worst aspects of each other that's i no i can't I can't condone that.
0: <sighs> we have slayed the dragon.
1: We slayed it
0: and got some burns in the process as hap- <laughs> as happens when you slay dragons.
1: Yeah, but you know also I I'm going to sound very cheesy you know, for a minute and you know and, and we hugged and embraced each other after the end of that movie and I'm just so happy that we both found ourselves in the relationship that we're in and the marriage that we're in and that this is one of the most loving situations i've ever been in i'm so thankful that you're the opposite of red butler and that i'm so far so far away from scarlett o'hara
0: i'm I'm brett (laughs) rutler
1: you're brett (laughs) rutler yeah it just made me appreciate what we have even more
0: appreciate you too think think i love you too thank god you're not a sociopath <laughs> ay. what's our next movie
1: uh the next movie is entitled rebecca
0: rebecca From
1: 1940
0: we're into the 1940s
1: yep i if i'm not mistaken that movie has had a remake maybe just last year or two years ago maybe huh With
0: it does sound vaguely familiar
1: army army hammer and i think it's the actress who plays the younger version of oh what's her name of um oh my god i completely forgot of uh, the younger version of meryl streep character in uh mamma mia 2 I don't know her name. I I know she's been like a very scandalous personality, celebrity in the last few years. Taylor Swift. (laughs) No, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What do you think this movie is going to be about? (sighs) Rebecca.
0: Someone named Rebecca, I would say.
1: Someone named Rebecca.
0: Who I briefly saw one screenshot where it seemed like there was like a picture of a person in a wheelchair and it seemed like they're at an upscale restaurant. So might be more high society stuff. Mm-hmm. God, I hope not.
1: Hopefully, not as terrible as Gone with the Wind.
0: It it would be it'd be hard to pull that off. the The second half of Gone with the Wind was way worse than the first, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: At least in the first half, you had the Civil War stuff.
1: That was yeah, punctuating the movie here and there.
0: Yeah, and then in the second half, it immediately in the first ten minutes, the war is over, and then it's all just revolving around their personal
2: drama.
1: Yeah. There's nothing about restoration. There's nothing nope. about the, that era. It's just fully just about the characters.
0: You get a little bit with the carpetbackers taxing people, but after 30 minutes, that after she marries Rhett Butler, let's never mention it again because they're filthy rich after that point. Yep. So, oh, We survived the 30s. And we should say that our next episode is going to be a decade retrospective.
1: Yes, we we give out our own awards. For best actress, best actor. Or best
0: male character, worst male character, best female, worst female, moment of the decade, that sort of thing. Yeah. So we won't be talking about Rebecca until two weeks from now.
1: Yes. We did it.
0: We did it. Anything else?
1: No, I think that's about it.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
1: Thank you. See you next time.
0: See you next time.
2: Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it.